Play. This is Let Your Voice Be Heard right here on WHCR 90.3 FM, the voice of Harlem. What's going on? This yeah. is Woo. Let oh, Your shoot. Voice Be Heard on WHCR 90.3 FM, the voice of Harlem. And if you ever wanted to know what land it was, this was a land of no pigeons. Don't <laughs> believe me? Just watch. Yo, Selena, how she going flashy wrong? How she going wear sandals with nasty, nasty corns? That'd be wrong. I wonder how you get marks with dirty Victoria drawers and the skid marks plus your flat gets enough <laughs> laughs though you to on. the salon pluck your mustache Woo! Mm, Stanley took me back to seventh grade yo that, yeah. I was in sixth grade what are you talking about when this song came out I was so hyped little what? bunny they used to call me Ma- Stanley without a family you got left back Stanley no I didn't get left back you bought you in sixth grade this came out in like 99 and I thought did it yeah what well, grade remember. were you in Tiffany and I, I don't remember <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> the Yo, nostalgia th- is they real. They called me Stanley without a family. This song came oh, out. They called me rapper it. Stanley. Stop, Stanley. Oh, don't be sad. It's fine. I don't care. They Are you sure? Yeah. <laughs> you gotta work through that trauma, brother. Chill, buzzing. These birds is ill, buzzing. Oh my God, throw. Emmanuel, that. you still want to hand those scrubs? You like that, right? Yeah, I know you do. So, guys, this is let your voice be heard on ninety point three FM WHC, are the voice of Harlem. If you are just tuning in, congratulations. We just started. I want to say what's up to everybody on Facebook Live who was watching. Everybody who was on the FM frequency listening, everybody who will be on a podcast and you are listening and you are confused because you don't hear the song we're playing because SoundCloud will take our show down if we keep music in there. We were playing No Scrubs and we are here for another action-packed episode of Let Your Voice Be Heard. And I'm in the studio with Miss Selena Hill, whoop, whoop. who got way too hyped for the Pigeon song, but I not did. as hyped for No Scrubs. Can I, can I just say that Tiffany was not here for the women bashing? I wasn't. Tiffany was I like, like <laughs> Put No Scrubs on Stanley like remixed it and put no pigeon on. I was mm. hyped. Like that you took lucky, me you back. You got some real DJ equipment. I would have been dropping bombs and gunshots <laughs> the whole thing. Okay, flex. <laughs> Look, I'm here for it. You know, Flex always dropped the bomb in the best part of the song. You right. remember getting your favorite part. <laughs> <laughs> and Flex nah, right. start talking. You're right. But we're also here with the immaculate pension mommy, Tiffany Brown. <laughs> you better. Yeah, girl, biz. you got a pension in 2019? She got three things you want. Beautiful skin. Yes. Black yes. woman <laughs> magic. And stability in her retirement years because she got a pension. You know what that is? No, because you work for private America, <laughs> beloved. Exactly. Selena, what are we talking yes. about today? Oh, hey, guys. First off, hey, my name is Selena Hill. Super happy to be here. Of course, Let Your Voice Be Heard is the show where we talk politics, social justice, pop culture, trap music, Cardi B, Beyonce. And we do that all from a diverse perspective. Um, happy Sunday to everyone who is listening live and watching us live on Facebook. We see you on Manuela, thank you for being just as hype as I was, um, <laughs> apparently, through the comments. Um, and everyone who is listening via podcast land on SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and Google Play. Stanley, are we on Google Play? Yes. Good. Um, yeah, so shout out to all you guys. My name is Miss Selena Hill on Instagram and Twitter. Miss is spelled with an M-S, so check me out there. Why? And we have... Why is it spelled with an MS, Lena? Oh, um, because my marital status is not something that's necessary to I'm show. I'm also not married either, so should I be <laughs> MR? I don't know what it means. Men don't have that problem, yeah, apparently. Have problem. It's Mr. Regardless. Patriarchy. No one cares patriarchy. about your marital status. Exactly, patriarchy. Um, we are here with Tiffany Brown, who Stanley gave a very for, uh, informal introduction. Yes. Okay. If you want to give a formal introduction, let us know who you are. Yes, I'm Tiffany Brown. I like that. I'm now going to be known as the pension mommy. I love that. <laughs> Um, yes, I work for a public sector union and you can follow me on at Tiff Liz B on Instagram and Twitter. 
So we have a great show uh, lined up. We're going to kick things off with the news roundup. That terrible shooting in El Paso, um, we're going to be talking about that. And then like a couple hours later, there was another mass shooting in Ohio. Um, and it's so funny. I mean, not funny. It's so horrible that I think some like Republicans are attributing this to mental illness. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, no, the white supremacist who killed Mexicans and Hispanic people in El Paso is pretty blunt. And he left a manifesto about how he hates immigrants and uh, Hispanic people. And he wanted to kill them. And he did that. Thank you, President Trump. So we're going to go in depth about that. Um, also, ASAP Rocky has returned home. We're going to talk about that. And then the largest segment at hand we're going to be talking about politics over party what is the future of the democratic party and whose party is it anyway um if you guys were like me you were locked into the presidential debates the democratic debates this past week and you know it got us thinking a lot about this split and the divide and fracture in the um Democratic Party. So we're going to talk a lot about that. But for now, we do have to go on a commercial break. Of course, if you want to con- uh, chime into the show live, leave comments on facebook.com slash let your voice be heard. You can also tweet us at be heard underscore radio. And you can call us up 212-650-6903. This is let your voice be heard. Selena got the light on me like... Why you got the light on me for, Selena? The light? Yeah. I'm recording you. With the flash, it's bright in here. Yo. It's not... It it could be the middle of the day (laughs) with the sun directly under me. Selena will be like, put the flash on. We are back on... take pictures because everyone looks better under light. Are you kidding Mm -hmm. me? Mm -hmm. We are back on Let Your Voice Be Heard on (laughs) 90.3 FM, WHCR, The Voice of Harlem. Also, the voice of Selena Hill and the flash button. And we (laughs) got a crazy action-packed show for you guys. Today... What are we going to be talking about? Crap, I got tongue-tied. Did you? Well, you know what? Let's start off with El Paso, as I mentioned before we went on break. This is a news roundup where we talk about the stories that really infuriated us over the past week. Or sometimes they actually made us laugh or cry. Um, So speaking of crying, there was a mass shooting Saturday in El Paso. A 21-year-old self-proclaimed white nationalist went to El Paso, which is a border city that is inhabited. um, I think 80% of the people, the residents there are Mexicans or of Hispanic um, descent. And he left this manifesto that was extremely xenophobic and anti-immigrant. And 20 minutes later, he literally opened up fire, killing 20 innocent people and injuring a number of others, including children, parents at this Walmart. Horrific, horrific shooting, right? So um, we know that Pete, um, no, not Pete, uh, Beto, Beto has been back. He's running for uh, the presidential uh, campaign in 2020, and he actually went back to El Paso. He left the campaign trail, and he's been, you know, there to comfort the families. Uh, I know Mayor Pete has also spoken out, and he said um, that the U.S. is under attack by white nationalists. So you see a lot of Democrats just being just calling this out for what it is: racism and xenophobic xenophobia. But of course, Republicans are attributing this to mental illness. Um, and I just want to say. You know, there's a difference between gun violence and a hate crime. This is being investigated as a hate crime. Tiffany, what are your thoughts about the El Paso shooting? Um, when I first heard it, I thought it was really scary just to know that a person just has access to all that sort of weaponry and just, you know, carry out that sort of um, tragedy. And I think it goes without saying that, you know, any person that does this sort of crime 
of course, there's some element of mental illness, but we also just have to talk about why these these persons are being motivated to do these sort of things. I think there was a photo of him that he spelled out, not of him, but of his guns. He spelled out Trump with all of the guns that he had, which I think was really scary and just disheartening to see. There was also this black man who like saved a bunch of children mm. during this um whole ordeal, and he was a military person. And someone made the point of like, you know, just imagine if, you know, a law enforcement agent would have come across him and saved all these children and, you know, they wouldn't have like necessarily looked at him as like a hero and just like he was just like so selfless in that whole ordeal. So I think it's really disheartening. We really need to be honest about gun control and how we talk about gun control. And we need to have, you know, there's no reason for people to have like access to assault rifles and all those things. I'm sorry. I think it being too nice when you talk about gun control, we need to do something about white people. Oh, yeah, that's true. Keep shooting places up. Yep. And it's it's gotten to a point now where it's very obvious that white folk like white folks are producing the mass shooters, and they're producing the mass shooters because these mass shooters are believing in a racist manifesto that's being perpetrated and supported by mm-hmm. our president. Well, not my president, white people's president. Mm-hmm. And if we don't do something to address this, white folks who are right now somewhere in the woods practicing and training for a race war are mm-hmm. going to be killing a lot more people. That first shooter that caught in El Paso said there were rumors that he said there would be more things happening mm-hmm. later that mm-hmm. day and then something happened in Ohio where 35 people were shot in 60 seconds. Yep. One minute, 35 people were shot and the guy went in there with body armor. Mm. So what are we going to stop just talking about gun control? We got to do something about these white people. They're killing everybody. And yep. you know what, Stanley? And you know what? This is the, the, the gripe that I have with people who are just attributing this to mental illness and, and gun violence. White people have a history of killing people of color in this country. From the people, the, the black people that they raped and enslaved and murdered to the people that the, that they lynched, the black men that they were lynching, to the segregationists who refused to let black children go to school with white children. I mean, if you thinking of that history, did all these white people have a mental illness mm-hmm. or was it just racism and hatred at its ugliest form? I think that's really what it is. Sorry. Go ahead, Seth. Yeah. I mean, like when when you have that much. So think about it this way. You've been raised to to think that you are at the top of the food chain, that you are the apex person because you are white and you're supposed to have these powers and these privileges and people are supposed to respond to you a certain way. And for a long time, they did. And now all of a sudden, people of color are taking more space. Black people are taking up more space. Gay people and people in the LGBTQIA people are taking up more space. And all of a sudden, you're not the most important person in the room. Your voice is not being heard. You are not being put first for anything. And then somebody comes in and says, this is wrong and we're going to get rid of those people. And then the people he's trying to get rid of are pushing back and fighting back. You might feel like you need to defend the principles of that person who's fighting to help you keep your power. And these white folks right here are lashing out because they want to keep their power. And there are some of them who will do it with legislation, some of them who will do it by keeping you out of their neighborhoods, and some of them who will do it through terror. They're no different than ISIS or Al-Qaeda. This is what it is. So we got to do something about it because white people are getting radicalized by Fox News, Keystone Beer, and Donald Trump. Tiffany? Definitely. Um, also, we also just like really focusing on the ages of these white men. They're getting like younger and younger, like from Dylan Roof to the El Paso person. I'm sure the other guy that just did the um, shooting in Ohio, they're like, they're really young. 
And to think like this notion that like, oh, like racism bigots are going to die out. Like they're like our parents' generation. It's like, no, they're the generation mm. that's coming after millennials. There was this video of this young guy who was a 17 year old. He was saying, this is what I do to N words. And he was like shooting this random black box in the woods. It's mm. just like they are being radicalized at a young age. And we like Stanley said, we have to address this. And you know what they have in common? They have an, ang- an unnecessary anger towards black and brown people and an unnecessary anger towards women. Mm. A lot of these people come from the incel community, the involuntary. and voluntarily celibate people Mm -hmm. who they want to legalize sex work and then be given free like sex work services because they're celibate not by choice and they are lashing out and they're murdering Mm -hmm. and killing women and they're Mm -hmm. murdering and killing black people and brown people you can find them on 4chan you can find them on Breitbart you can find them on Fox News I met a couple of them in the Catskills this week they exist and we're not doing a damn thing about it before we move on to the next topic i also want to mention that cardi b shared a really prevalent meme that basically said in summary that the person who killed 20 innocent people in el paso wasn't isis wasn't muslim was not uh, a person of color wasn't ms-13 wasn't ms-13 wasn't all of these like stereotypical the things that we think of when we think of, like, you know, whenever there's a killing, we always think of, oh, it's a person of color who's a thug or who's in a gang. No, domestic terrorism is happening on right here in our backyard by white young men, Trump supporters who, ha- and, and again, white nationalism has always existed, but we are seeing it at an elevated level now because of Trump, because he has emboldened this community to come out and be bold. And not only do they speak and are proud of MAGA country, but they're literally con- committing these acts of violence and they are terrorizing people of color here. So, you know, I would say, you know, further than the thoughts and prayers, let's make sure that we put get into action into protecting our own people and speaking up for the most vulnerable marginalized people in our country who happen to uh, who are also you know undocumented immigrants so i wanted to just say that um and again you know my, my thoughts and prayers go out to them of course but also we have to take action because we cannot just stop there um moving on another topic in the news that's getting a lot of attention is ASAP Rocky. We know that he has uh, been freed from Sweden. He is back home. He vows to never step foot in Sweden again. He actually arrived here in the U.S. yesterday on in sat on Saturday. Was he Harlem shaking? <laughs> <laughs> Did he do the Harlem shake? He was in the car with two white women. <laughs> was he? Oh, t- you know what? No, he wasn't. No, he was. He was. No, he wasn't. He was. <laughs> I he was rooting for you, ASAP. Are you, you kidding me? Y'all you throwing off my levels over here. <laughs> Watch your tones. Um, by the way, folks, if you're on Facebook Live, leave comments. We want to hear from you. Um, same thing if you want to call in. The number is 212-650-6903. Again, that is 212-650-6903. If you really like us, become a paid member on Patreon. Patreon.com slash BeHeardRadio. But yeah, TMZ published a photo of him in a car. He's like looking at the window with his fingers up, throwing up, throwing up middle fingers, and there's like a bunch of white women in the car with him. So... Our former intern, she just published a piece on our website, which is lyvbh.com. That's the acronym for Let Your Voice Be Heard. And she was, as a young black woman, Mm -hmm. also defending ASAP Rocky. You have to read this piece. She talks about, yes, he has made a lot of problematic uh, comments in the past about Black Lives Matter, about social justice, about Mike Brown. But she said, you know what? He's a creative and he's not an activist and we should give him that space to express his thoughts no matter how inferior that they might be she was rooting for him a lot of us were rooting for him and you know thought that 
he would spend this time in the Sweden Swedish jail mm-hmm. and maybe have a different outlook on blackness. Well, the piece by, written by our former intern Sydney Schuler, it's called A Terpaki and a Pressure of Being a Black Creative. I just posted it in the comments on our Facebook Live. So if you want to be read that article, you should and you should share it as well. Listen, I still think that he should not have had to stay in those kind of conditions. I still think that we should have been fighting to get him out of there. I still think that he is problematic and has some some deep anti-black issues. Mm. None of those things change. I'm still with Sydney on this one. That mm. he we should like just because he's trash doesn't mean we just completely throw him away. He's young and dumb. He's not Ben Carson who's actively using legislation to kill and unlike take black people out of housing. He's not Kanye West, well he might be now, who's going to use his his um his his popularity to try to get black and brown people to support someone who clearly wants them dead. He's just a dumb rapper who likes drugs and white women. Tiffany, do you find it upsetting that he was caught with white women here in the U.S.? I mean, I mean, I mean as a black, isn't it us are, who's like rooting for him? I was not rooting for him. Okay, I'm going to be quite clear on that. I thought he was definitely in an unfortunate situation. I don't think any black or brown person should find themselves, you know, overseas in a prison that was not in inhumane conditions. It was very dorm-like. I mean, I'd probably be sure he would be in worse conditions if he was at Rikers Island. But that's another topic. So I think we need to just be honest. Like, sometimes it's unfortunate that black creatives are held to a higher standard. But... You don't have to show just like blatant disrespect towards movements that at the end of the day benefits you. It was still people who felt like disrespected by ASAP that was still leading the charge and writing petitions for him to get out of the Swedish prison. So it's like, just show some compassion and some empathy for a community that, that you did come from, that you know other, people's have, other people have experienced. So, I mean, for him to be coming out of a jail with two white women, am I surprised? Like, he likes what he likes. I do think we have to be cautious when we say, like, preference and stuff like that. Because, like Stanley said, it can be very much rooted in anti-blackness. I think ASAP Rocky needs to do some real soul-searching and some self-reflection. And, like I said, I don't think he should have been in that situation. So, I'm not going to say I wish jail on him. No. But I do think... Like I said, he needs to, you know, reevaluate his decisions and his platform. Yeah, and we need to have a segment or a conversation about anti-blackness or maybe mm. I'll write about it because I don't think a lot of people really understand what anti-blackness is and what it looks like and how black people and black and brown people can have racist and, like, resentful feelings towards black people mm-hmm. because of the history of white supremacy in this country. Um, and it shows up in black people with colorism mm-hmm. or, um, like, a lot of Latinx communities where they don't want to be associated with, with as black even though a lot of them are the same complexion or darker than me and Tiffany. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's a conversation that we have to have and we shall have eventually. Uh, speaking of that, we actually do have to go on another break. Uh, but before we do, I just want to say keep tuning in. When we come back, we're going to be talking about the Democratic Party. What's the future? And specifically, how can people of color impact and influence this party and make it our own? This is Let Your Voice Be Heard. We are back on Let Your Voice Be Heard on 90.3 FM WHCR, the voice of Harlem. I'm in my rock and roll bag. Do you know who Def Leppard is, Selena? No. You don't know Def Leppard? No, I know the song. I'm mm, sorry. Yeah, because I play it, right? Hold on. Look, for the podcasters, you hear that? Yeah. Now, we're not okay, doing no more. Bring it back down now. Don't want another violation. Don't take our show down, SoundCloud. Don't take our Don't take our show down, Spotify. All right, guys. We are back on Let Your Voice Be Heard on 90.3 FM WHCR, the voice of Harlem. If you are just tuning in, this is Stanley Fritz. I'm here with Selena Hill and, of course, Tiffany Brown. And Selena has got a conversation for you guys to have. I All know. I want to say, Marion Williamson forever. Oh, yes. Okay, so, <laughs> Tiffany, 
my God. Girl. Okay, let's get into it. Um, so we've seen another round of Democratic debates last week with 20 of the candidates going head-to-head in Detroit on two separate nights. The candidates faced off on health care, immigration, race issues, and more. They also attacked President Trump for his failed policies and the embarrassment he has caused our nation. But it seems like they focused a lot on sparring with each other and particularly targeting former Vice President Joe Biden. Now, Biden was involved in several exchanges where other candidates criticized his track record on criminal justice, as well as immigration reform when he was under president, working with President Obama. And remember, President Obama was infamously known as the deporter in chief. So to me, this is just further evidence of the ideological divide within the Democratic Party, which leads to today's discussion about the fractured party and the questions of whose party is it? And what's the future of the Democratic Party? Now, before we get into those questions in particular, I want to start off by asking you guys, what were your reaction to the debates? High points and low points, starting with you, Tiffany. She looked me deep into my <laughs> eyes when I said you. I'm good with that, though. Go ahead. So low points was when Cory Booker said, you know, um, there's a saying in my community like you're all in, the, like you're drinking the Kool Aid, but don't know the flavor. We're not saying that anymore. <laughs> like no black person in 2019 saying that. <laughs> I just feel like he just I don't know about Cory Booker. He makes me pandering a little bit. Oh, for no, like you're black. What are you pandering? I don't get it. He's so, like, no, really, I am black. <laughs> no, like for real, for real. Um, some of the high points, um, at least for me. Was uh, obviously Elizabeth Warren. I'm I'm a low key Elizabeth Warren stan. You know I really like her. I think it's the policy wonk in me. I appreciate her really nailing Delaney about like what's the point of running for her office if you're gonna say that all the things that we can't do. Mm-hmm. Like we, we posted need- that on our fa- on our on our IG page. We like yeah. see a dead body. No. <laughs> <laughs> but like it's true, and I think I also feel like this was her time to show that she can. I guess like get in the mud with Trump because a lot of people feel like she can't. Like you know go low per se with Trump. I feel like she was really like she stood her ground and she showed that she can take it there and she doesn't have to necessarily be like use like, you know, inflammatory remarks, but like with policy and I would say like make sense, you know, um comments. So I really enjoyed Elizabeth Warren. Can I just can I just interject real mm-hmm. quick? Elizabeth Warren is too nice for me. She's like that nice elderly white woman that bakes cookie. Like I don't see like even when she's upset, she's always nice. Yeah. God, I, I feel like if she called me the N word to be with love too. Yeah, like oh, she's just oh, too okay. nice. <laughs> on site. <laughs> she yeah, the word. Right. But um, I definitely God. think she, for me, I feel like in that the last debate, she showed that she has a shot. Um, I also think the Kamala Harris and the Tulsi, that was just like a weird exchange. And I definitely felt like Kamala was, Kamala was like, girl, if we weren't on the stage, it'd be me and you right now. I'd arrest you too. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. And I don't know. I don't know if I necessarily, like, I get what people are saying, but I feel like we are, we're stretching it a bit much, but. Nah, uh, Kamala really, really was that trash as DA. Okay. Yeah. No, 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 no I'm facts. not, I'm not, no, I'm not debating the facts, but I feel like the way people are spinning, I, I feel like I have a. Some mm. issue with it. Can you can you talk about that a little bit more? Um, I feel like you know when it comes to like DAs, I feel like there's other people in her office, and I feel like a mm. lot of like they were linking one particular case about that guy that was like hidden evidence, mm-hmm. 
And I feel like, you know, we have to be honest. Like, okay, granted, she is a DA, so at the end of the day, it's going to fall on her. But, like, was she, like, an active participant in each particular case? Now, when it comes to, like, the truancy stuff, I do think a lot of times when it comes to, like, black people and, like, trying to correct behavior, we, as a society, think we should be, like, punitive rather than, like, a more holistic approach. So, no, I don't think parents should be getting arrested. But if you look at her when she was talking about more of it, she was like, you know, we did find parents that were having issues and we did get them additional services. So I, I think her spirit of what she was trying to do was right. I think how she went about doing about like, you know, scaring parents into getting their kids on time, get to school on time was wrong. Definitely. And then laughing about it at fundraisers. Yeah. That and was nervous it. laughter. We, nah, fam. It was nervous. <laughs> you, you really think she was like, <laughs> lock the kids Yo, up. She was speaking and she was like, ha ha ha. Some people don't like accountability. Mm. Like, yeah, you know, if she wins the nomination, I'm going to be behind her. But, like, I'm not going to forget all the mm. stuff she did. And fun- funny yeah, enough, I, I despise Tulsi Gabbard. I also hate Bill de Blasio, if anyone's wondering. But <laughs> Tulsi Gabbard is who yeah. we're talking about right yeah. now. I don't want her anywhere near the White House. She's yep. aggressively homophobic. She's a Trump apologist. She loves Russia. Like, who? You know, Tulsi Gabbard. Really? Yeah. yeah. The Trump administration was going to make her their national security d- advisor. She was seriously in contention for that. That's how problematic she is. I don't want her anywhere near. The only reason people like her is because, well, you know what? Let me not say that. No, say it, Stanley. She's I, from Hawaii. She's uh, young and she's good looking. She, honestly, and I know I shouldn't say this either. I thought she was running for Miss America. Sh- oh, okay. No, she's no, like literally like she she has like pageantry looks. I mean, it is what it is. Go ahead. So. That one She's my, only 38, too. Yeah, my low points were anytime Bill de Blasio said anything. Meanwhile, New York City has failing MTA. There's been flooding everywhere and power outages. And anytime Tulsi Gabbard said anything, because I don't like either one of them. Um, my high points were when Cory Booker actually called out Joe Biden on criminal justice. When he was like, you really want to go there when you were the one that wrote the, the crime bill? Get that up. was pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, Elizabeth Warren and the random white guy who's on the stage. When she was just she was just like barring him yeah. up the whole time, and it was funny because they would pan on their faces, and random white guy number six, you would always see him getting emotional when Elizabeth Warren was saying something. I'm not trying to be rude. There's just so many random white men who are running for president this year. They then they all look the same to me, so I don't mm-hmm. know who was who anymore. Mm-hmm. Good. Um, okay, oh, Stanley. Finish. Yeah. Marianne Williamson, I was looking forward to her being incoherent, but also entertaining, and she actually made a lot of sense, so much so that Marilyn, who did not watch the first debate, was like, wow, who is this lady? I like her answer on reparations. And I was like, no, she's crazy. We're supporting her for fun. <laughs> so, yeah. Thank you so much for the recaps. I'm sad. I disagree with a lot of what you guys said. Um, no, it's okay. Um, so, some of the things I actually agree with, though. Um, some of my high points first night, Bernie Sanders, I thought that he completely shined. Um, he was, you know, loud, energetic. He was that quote unquote crazy Bernie, which I absolutely adore and love. Hands up, you know, screaming. At one point, somebody was like, You don't have to yell, Bernie. And I was like, Yes, he does. Yes, he does. Like, he's passionate. And I love to see that in passion, especially when he told that guy, I wrote the damn pill. I said, Bernie, you better go ahead with his little feisty self. Um, some of the other high points, honestly, I love. I also love when Marianne Williamson called for reparations. I was like, yes, sis, you better speak. Night two, I thought Cory Booker had a very impressive night. I thought that, um, you know, the Kool-Aid thing, he was pandering, but it, I think it resonated with a lot of folks, uh, regardless of, to me, it kind of seemed forced. Um, I thought that he really shined. Yes, he did attack Bill... Um, 
Joe Biden on the crime bill and other things. And I thought that he, you know, those attacks were were pertinent. I was happy that he called him out. Um, I disagree. I thought that Mayor de Blasio was just as entertaining. I was happy that he was on that debate stage. The reason why the reason why is. Bill de Blasio was asking more questions than the moderators. Every time he spoke, he was like, you know what? But let me ask you a question, yeah. Joe Biden. Let me ask my panelists a question. I said, okay, Bill, this is a different approach. I wish he had this much energy for the NYPD where he's been protecting Officer mm-hmm. Pensaleo for five years and blaming the Department of Justice, even though he could have fired him at any moment. Meanwhile, Pensaleo just got suspended from his job where he's still going to be getting paid and he's making six figures. Or how about the fact that the mayor wasn't even in the city when we had a blackout in Carnarcee and when the shooting happened in Brownsville and Jermani Williams called it a mass shooting, de Blasio said he was wrong until he realized, oh, this is polling well and instead on a campaign trail. Go home, de Blasio. Speaking of de Blasio and the fire Pantaleo, um, there was an outbreak at night two when de Blasio was giving his opening remarks. Mm-hmm. Tamika Mallory, who's a friend of our, the show, as mm-hmm. well as other members of the New York Justice League. Kristen Ford, my son, and Angelo Pinto. Yes, mm-hmm. they all started screaming, fire Pantaleo. Mm-hmm. They purposely and intentionally uh, interrupted the forum of the debate um, and the decorum because they were calling for him to be fired. Um, a lot of people took issue with that. They were saying wrong place, wrong time. I honestly, I, honestly, if it's Blasio. a civil protest, if no one, if, if there are any riots, we aren't burning things down. And I think, again, there's a time and place to riot too. But I mean, why not? talk about such a pertinent issue on that stage in front of a national audience. That's how white supremacy works. White supremacy can dictate and decide on when is the appropriate time to hold it accountable, which is never. And Bill de Blasio, you know, he never wants to be held accountable. Of course he's going to say wrong place, wrong time, because he doesn't want to actually do anything. I don't know if the B- Bill de Blasio said that. I'm just saying there were like no. critics online. No, he didn't say he didn't say anything. He hasn't done anything. He's too busy trying to run for president. He's running That's a true. failing presidential campaign while Eric Garner has been dead for five years. The guy that recorded him being murdered is in jail as we speak. Mm -hmm. And the officer that murdered him is making six figures. Well, and and I want to ask you this, Tiffany, because the thing is, that question was brought up to Mayor de Blasio about Eric Garner and uh, Daniel Pantaleo. Do you think that his answer was suffice when he, he talked about how the DOJ has been investigating for years and it's, it, si- it sounded like he was stifled or stymied and could not take action because the case was turned over. He was lying. To- the Department of Justice said four years ago that New York City can proceed however they wanted to. Right. They even sent a letter. I mean, they even said it when they delivered the announcement that they were going to charge the officer. And to think that the DOJ was even going to bring any sort of charges, especially mm-hmm. under this current administration, is laughable. Bill de Blasio could have fired their officer in his first term, and this could have been all behind him. And he probably would have got some more black voters on his side if he would have mm-hmm. done what he needed to do and fire officer But Pantaleo. why didn't he fire him, Tiffany? I think the climate was really hot during that time, and I think a lot of people were on his back, and he probably wanted to get reelected for mayor. Yeah, he's worried about losing the white vote. Yeah. That's what it was about. Yeah. He was worried about losing the white vote. The NYPD was turning their backs to him. Mm-hmm. Pat Lynch, the racist PBA um, Police Benevolent Association president, was saying that Bill de Blasio was a traitor. He's and also going to run for city council, I heard, just yeah. FYI. Yeah, well, you know, Staten <laughs> Island, he'll probably win. Mm-hmm. And Bill de Blasio, who wants to run for something larger like U.S. Senate or or at least lose that president to get a cabinet pick, felt like he had to do something to show that he didn't hate white people. Well, guess what? Now I hate you. Wow. Mm-hmm. Well, before we go to commercial break, I just want to add some of my final thoughts about the uh, debate. I actually was very pleasantly surprised by Kirsten Gillibrand's performance, her comments about being a white woman with privilege and the need for her as 
a white woman to use her privilege to go into white communities and educate them about anti-blackness racism. I was like, you better go ahead, Kirsten. Mm -hmm. Stanley's rolling his eyes. At least she said it. We need people to do that. And she said she's been doing that. She's going into the communities and talking to them about racism. I like Kirsten Gillibrand a lot, personally. I roll my eyes when white people say stuff like that. I don't care. Cut a check. Stanley, that, that, no, that, but like, you say all the time that white people need to go talk to their she's their running, She's running for president. So, yeah, she's going to say that. She's trying to get black voters. And, like, I like Kirsten Gillibrand. Like, I don't mean to make this about her, but, like, don't talk about it. Do it. She, she said that she's doing it, Stanley. No, she's running for president. She's no. not really having those conversations <laughs> right now. She's just, she's just not like it's not because she said she she used a specific example about a white woman that she was talking to and educating them about mm-hmm. how there's a big difference between a black boy, a young black boy like Trayvon Martin walking down the street mm-hmm. and her white son. She used I, that as an example. I don't believe her or most of these white people. Like Beto was like my family was slave owners. Great Beto. Who are you cutting a check to? No one. Yeah. I, I get what you're saying, because a lot of it is just like rhetoric and talk. But I feel like for her to yeah. say on at least a national stage, it can at least spark some sort of thinking in the minds of people that are watching. No, of course it is. Yeah. And the thing is, we need more people to say that. I don't think Kirsten Gillibrand is lying when she used those specific examples. I believe her. Um, and I'm happy she's doing the work. So because we need more. And, you know, Stanley's one of the first people to point out how we need more white allies going allies going into the white communities to talk about this. So she's actually doing that. I know we do have to take a quick break. But when we come back, we're going to talk about the infractured Democratic Party. This is the Let Your Voice Be Heard. Hey, and we are back. This is Let Your Voice Be Heard right here on WHCR 90.3 FM, the voice of Harlem. Again, my name is Selena Hill. I'm here with my co-host, Stanley Fritz, and our trusty correspondent, Tiffany Brown. So we're getting some comments on our Facebook Live. Sarah Lee Palmer says, Kirsten Gillibrand is like Hillary Clinton and the hot sauce. I agree. I think that's a compliment. And Emanuela says, it's a very scary political issue here in the States. You took the words out of my mouth. The historical dynamics. There are unexplainable reasons why white privilege is scary. Also, I agree there. So, you know, I want to talk about this infractured Democratic Party because a, a theme or, or something, an underlying theme that I noticed during this debate was the divide. It seems generational, but it also seemed like it's the moderates versus the progressives. And I say that because Joe Biden, who continues to be the front runner in this race he is still very moderate um compared to some of his more left-leaning uh contenders he's still a centrist and he's basically touting the obama administration record which today is not as progressive as i think uh us lefties if you will or leftists um would like um you know it, it was you know Eight years ago or four or five years ago when President Obama was in office, it was a different political climate. When Bernie Sanders came out in 2016 and he called for a political revolution and he called for Medicare for all and he called for free college, free tuition. He set this tone for the Democratic Party. Now, four years later, you hear most of all the progressive candidates saying the same exact things Bernie was calling in 2016 when they were calling him too radical and too leftist. Now that has become the party standard for most of the progressives. But however, that doesn't seem to be a trickling over too much to the front runner, Joe Biden, and the more moderates. So, guys, do you also see a divide or split in the current Democratic Party? Yeah, obviously. 
and and I would just argue that ninety percent of the people who are who are agreeing with Bernie Sanders and saying free college tuition and all those things are just lying. <laughs> if we're just they are like they don't really mm-hmm. want to do this. Um, just the other day, um, just the other day, um, Kamala Harris is like, I have a new plan that anyone who received TAP will then get yep. their loans forgiven if they create a business that lasts for at least five years. When most small businesses fail in three. Like that's that's the kind of stuff they're talking about. Now Joe Biden, at this point, I don't really I don't think he's gonna win because at this point he's not even or even offering anything that would like lightly improve anybody's quality of life. He's literally just saying, like, let's keep things the same and just be nicer to each other and ignore racism. And I think that's what the moderates are offering. And it's really hard for folks like that to be heard for much longer when Republicans are passing radical bills. Mm-hmm. They just put up two trillion on our debt to give the super rich a tax cut. You you think someone's gonna blink an eye if we want to give everybody free health insurance? You can't make that argument anymore because the Republicans are doing whatever they want. Good point. And, and you know, Tiffany, you know, Stanley says that he doesn't think Joe Biden is going to win. I, I, I actually do. Recent polls show that, especially in the African-American pu- uh, community, he is getting a lot of a lot of support. Fifty three percent of African-American voters said they know for sure they are voting for Joe Biden. After Joe Biden, only 8% said Sanders and about 7% said Kamala Harris. Tiffany, you, you know, is Biden our guy? Um, I mean, he's not my guy. I don't think he's any real left progressive guy, but yeah, he's he a fa- he's a familiar white candidate. And we have to be honest about that when we're also talking about the generational divide and like who is actively voting and routinely voting like prime voters in all of these elections. It's our parents. It's the churchgoers. It's the ones that, you know, they see these white candidates, you know, at their churches on Sunday. So they're very familiar with that type of white candidate, even though Warren or Bernie Sanders are saying something that many of our, you know, our parents would benefit from. But I feel like the way they're branded and how they approach it is like way too left for us. It makes us feel uncomfortable. It's like the fear of unknown when Biden provides a lot of familiarity. I think that we're reading too much into the polls and primaries because one thing you have to remember in primaries, the activists and hardcore party people come out. Those tend to be further left. Also, national polls don't dictate what's actually happening on the ground. And so I'd be more interested to see what the Iowa polls looking like. And lastly, the last time they showed that Joe Biden had majority support among black voters, it came to find out that MSNBC was actually lying and he had majority support from black voters 60 years old and older. And Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren pretty much split the black support everywhere else. So... This is probably the same thing again because most of the people who are polled are polled on landlines. They got to be on the phone for up to 30 minutes to an hour. So you got to have people with patience. So the sample size is not reflective of the actual voting base, which will be huge in this election. But if you couple that with the amount of voter suppression that is happening, then it can kind of like, I'm, I feel like it almost balance it out because we're seeing Republicans like sweeping like all of these like voter suppression laws and making it harder for people who may vote for a Biden or just vote more, I would say, vote left in general, harder to vote. So I think it's a lot of variation. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, but like, right, like in the voting, yeah, but in the actual like support right now, I don't think, I don't think that's, that's accounting for it. So I, I don't. Th- I think Biden's going to fizzle out. He's done horribly in both debates. Oh like, yeah, really badly. But, but no, you say that. But I don't, guys. If you watch the commentary on CNN and MSNBC and these cable news networks, they were applauding Biden for doing so much better. And then I was watching the View, and they were like, "Yeah, Biden got it. He's so good." And I'm like, "What are these people seeing? Is it a generational divide? Because most of these commentators and political talking heads are older, and they tend to be whiter. So I, I don't know. I." I 
I know that when I watched, he stumbled. It was painful to watch Biden. He sounded like a confused grandpa. He even called Cory Booker the next president. I was like, I was like, you know, Joe, what are you, what are you talking about? What are you saying? Um, you know, but the thing is, I want to ask another question before we, um, wrap things up is there a current leader of the democratic party and what's the future of the democratic party because if joe biden does win the nomination it may be him the current leader of the democratic party is nancy pelosi (laughs) (laughs) no it is it is usually the the, the leader of the the party is like the highest ranking person in the party and nancy pelosi is the current highest ranking person in the party everyone else will fall in line with whoever the nominee is. That's the way it happens. Obama wasn't the leader of the party, but when it was obvious he was going to win, everybody fell in line. That's what happens. And, like, you kind of anoint this person as a leader. There's no leader right now. People are trying to force everyone to fall in line for Joe Biden, but Joe Biden is doing a good job of making them go, well, I'm going to keep my, I'm going to hedge my bets. Uh, I think that, you know, we really can't tell who's going to win and who's going to take the lead until we get to like two or three primaries. Mm. Iowa and New Hampshire are going to be important. Kamala is going to be a factor because California's primary is much earlier this year. So at the, when, when the dust has settled, I think what you're going to see is a big three of Kamala Harris, Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, and maybe Pete Buttigieg, who also doesn't deserve to be on the stage and is underqualified and is only there because he's white and can get money. Tiffany, what is the future of the Democratic Party? Um, I think the future of the Democratic Party is definitely going to be um, within the wheelhouse of, like, you know, the AOCs and the Yana Presleys. We're going to see way more of those folks running for office. I know everyone's focused on the presidential election, and rightly so, but, like, we're even seeing this playing out in our local state elections and um, city council elections. So I do think the future of the Democratic Party is going to be a little bit more left, you know, more socialism or however people want to, you know, uh, phrase it. But I do think you're going to start to see more leaders like AOC, Ayanna Presley, um, Omar, Omar. excuse me, Ayanna Omar, emerging because I feel like though they're really capturing the essence of what people are talking about, especially within our, I would say, generation. Yeah. Stanley, um, as we wrap up, if that's the, the future of the Democratic Party, what can we and what should black voters in particular, people of color in particular, be doing to shape and influence the future of the Democratic Party to make sure that our leaders are more reflective of who we are? Make sure you go get people in rural counties IDs. Let's make sure we're setting up infrastructure to drive people to the polls to vote. Make sure we're working on our absentee ballot strategy right now. Make sure that we're educating people on the process and making sure they know that it's important to vote. And then... Once we picked our candidate, make sure everybody is anteed up and ready to support that candidate. This is a war. And these white folks, well, let me not say these white folks, this Trump administration supported by white supremacy and a lot of garbage white people and POC and black enablers are ready to win that war by any means necessary. So we got to be ready. We can't get ready the day before Election Day. And I'll say this as we just wrap up my final thoughts is, you know, I definitely see optimism for the Democratic Party. And I I didn't always. But now, you know, the Tiffany's point where we have the AOCs, we have the Ayanna Presleys, we have the Ilhan Omar, we have, you, you know, we have all of these young women of color who are less than 45 years old and who are making a real impact and change. And it's because of what happened in 2018. When we came out, we voted and we saw a blue wave across this country. And we said, you know what? We're tired of how white Racist men were running this country. We're tired of Trump. And you know what? We're going to elect younger women. 
people of color, people who represent a broader, diverse nation to represent our politics and to fight for the causes and the policies that we agree with. And if we continue on this track and we take that same energy into 2020, we will be the future of the Democratic Party. When I say we, I mean me, I mean you, I mean if you are listening right now. So it's up to us to, you know, get impassioned, stay informed, educate our peers, our colleagues, our family members, especially those in the purple states, and let them know the future is ours and the future is now. Let's take it to the polls. On that note, we do have to wrap up, but I want to thank everyone who listened via podcast and everyone who chimed in and listened via Facebook Live as well as on WHCR 90.3 FM. Guys, if you want to support us in a major way, please do so on our Patreon account. That's Patreon slash be Heard Radio by becoming a subscriber and supporting us. We will continue to support the issues and the causes that 